Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Here's the point. Why is there an antichrist? Why is Satan concerned with that sort of thing, with, with stepping into that kind of place? I believe everywhere we see Satan show up, he wants what belongs to the Lord. Wants honor, wants worship, wants glory, wants... He wants what belongs to God. And so we got to be so careful to know who the Lord is, that we worship the Lord according to what his word says, and that we be mindful that there's a lot of fakes out there. There's a lot of things that are, they look like the same, but they're not. Have you ever been tricked due to ignorance? That's probably the most common way you've been tricked, right? Pastor Bill reminds us today how important it is for believers to be well-versed in scripture. It's not only so you can recall verses when you need them, but also so you can call out falsehoods and fabrications when you're confronted with them. This world is filled with many lies and much deceit. And if you think you can disregard the Bible and still never be fooled, you're wrong. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter six, as he begins his message, The Seal Judgments. For you guys that are maybe just joining us, we are going through the book of Revelation. The book breaks into three parts, past, present, and future. Just so you guys remember kind of where we're at and where we're going. Chapter one of Revelation represented the past. We looked at a picture of the glorified Christ in Revelation chapter one. That's already happened. Christ has already been raised and glorified. And chapters two and three is the present. We looked at the church age as Jesus wrote seven letters to seven different churches you know, really revealing to us what he wants his church to be, correcting the errors, uh, acknowledging the the positives. Um, And so we have the current time. Now, in between the church age and what we're going to be looking at today, which is the tribulation period, something happened. In chapters four and five, where did we find the church at? In heaven, right? So we talked about this, but there's there's an event in scriptures called the rapture of the church. That is the next event on God's prophetic calendar where the Bible talks about it in the book of Thessalonians that we will be caught up together with the Lord in the air. And from that point on, we'll forever be with the Lord. And God does this before he begins to pour out his wrath on the earth. So there are different views on this. Um, I'm teaching the view that I hold. So there are some people that believe Christians will go through the tribulation. There are some people that believe that Christians will be raptured midway in the midst of, in the middle of the tribulation period. I hold strongly the view that we will be raptured before the tribulation. The position theologically is called the pre-tribulation rapture of the church. That's what we believe. Why? A few things. In keeping with God's character and nature, as you go throughout the whole Bible, can you ever think of a time where God punished the wicked with the just? As you go back and look through, whenever God was going to pour out his wrath, God would always remove the righteous and then he would destroy the wicked. Then he would pour out his wrath. And so think back to the time of Noah, right? God's the whole world was wicked and corrupt and God delivered Noah and his family and those that believed and God in the ark, which is only Noah and his family. And not until they were shut up in the ark did God pour out his judgment on the earth at that time. Uh, You consider Sodom and Gomorrah. Remember the conversation that Moses was having with the Lord as he interceded because his nephew Lot was there. And he said, God, if you find, you know, 40 righteous, would you destroy it? And God said, no, I'll, I'll save it for 40. And he went down to 20. Yep, I'd, I'd say it was just 10. God said, I'd keep it for 10. And what we saw God do 
was all the only righteous there was Lot, his wife, his daughters, just Lot and his family. And they got pulled out. And as soon as they got pulled out, then God rained down fire and brimstone. God removed the righteous before he poured out his wrath on the wicked. And so in the end time sequence of events, same thing. Believers are not under the wrath of God for this reason. The gospel tells me that the wrath that I deserve was poured out on who? On Jesus, on the cross. All my wrath, all the punishment I deserve, it was poured out on the cross. That's the gospel. That's why it's good news. If God said, look, for everybody else that died before the rapture, they get to escape my wrath. But for those unlucky Christians that are here when this time starts, they're going to endure some of my wrath. That would be inconsistent with what God has done historically. Amen. So I hold the position that biblically and just studying God's character, his nature throughout history, I hold the position that we will not be here during the tribulation period, that we've been raptured. We looked at chapters four and five. If you missed it, you can go back and listen to it. But the church is in heaven singing songs that only the church can sing. We are worshiping God because he redeemed us by his blood. That is the song of the saints. Amen. So with that, we come to chapter six and we're going to begin to look at what the Bible describes as the tribulation period. So there's a seven year period where God is going to pour out his wrath on a world that has rejected him. And it begins here at chapter six. It goes all the way to chapter 19. So this was a question that I had in my heart as I was studying and preparing and going over this. Only two chapters on heaven, chapters four and five. We get a little bit more heaven at 21, but really, you know, short on heaven. Think about that. If God wrote the book, right, he wrote it the way he wanted it written. He gave us the information he wanted us to have just a little bit, little glimpses of heaven. But I get this long, detailed description of what his wrath is going to be like. Why would he do that? I believe that God wants the warning to be very clear. When God gives prophetic insight, God is like, I'm preparing you. I'm showing you in advance what's going to happen so that you would be prepared. So we got to look at these studies as we go through the tribulation period. As we look at what's going to be happening on the earth. And, and question that we ask is, God, why are you showing me this? What do I do with this information? How should this be impacting me today? I'm already a Christian. And we'll answer those as we go through it. But there's a reason that these things are written. There's a reason why all the detail is given as well. We don't want to read this and be like, well, I don't need to study that because I'm not going to be there. You know, because every one of you know somebody right now that if the rapture happened today would be here. And so it's, it's supposed to have an impact on us. And we'll look at that as we go through it. So with that, look at chapter six, verse one of the book of Revelation it says, now I saw when the lamb opened one of the seals and I heard one of the four living creatures saying with a loud voice like thunder, come and see. If you guys remember from last week in heaven on the throne, there was a scroll with seven seals on it and no one was found worthy to open the scroll or loose his seals. And remember, John began to weep and to cry. And one of the elders said to him, don't weep. Somebody's been found that's worthy to open the scroll and loose the seals. Who was found worthy to open the scroll and loose the seals? Amen. Jesus, the lamb. He was found worthy. And so he was able to take the scroll. And now he's loosened the seals. And with each seal being opened, there's a judgment that goes forth. So the lamb is there. He says, John says, I saw the lamb and he opened one of the seals. He opened the first seal. And he says, I heard one of the four living creatures, one of the angels there speaking with a voice like thunder, telling John to come up here, come and see. And then it says in verse two, when I looked and behold, a white horse, he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him. And he went out conquering and to conquer. So we're going to look at the four horses, the four apocalyptic horses of Revelation. 
And a lot of people know about these things. They get spoken about. We're going to look at them and see what do they mean? Why does it matter for us to look at these things? So the first seal is removed and we get the white horse. Now, some people are mistakenly thinking that the white horse is Jesus must be the rider because it's a white horse. But that's not the case here. In Revelation chapter 19, we do see the Lord on a white horse. And what instrument of war does he have with him? He's got a sword. So we got here, we got a white horse and the rider has a bow, but no arrow. We'll come back to that. And he's, he's coming in. So the rider of the white horse, this first one that comes in, is identify this as the Antichrist. And I'll explain why as we look at it. So one of the things that Satan has done historically is he's like a copycat. And so uh, he's a great imposter, a great fake. The word Antichrist, it can mean against, but in the way that it's used in scripture, it means instead of, instead of Christ. And so there are many times where Satan will present himself in a way where he wants what belongs to Christ. What's behind every false religion is that God has taken people that are sometimes looking to worship him and Satan is providing them some false way to worship, something that won't save, something that will scratch your religious itch, but it won't save you, it won't bring about salvation. We've got to be so careful about that in our time. Jesus constantly warned in the Gospels and all the end time scriptures. He says, beware that people are going to come saying that I'm him, but it's not me. You know, be careful. And, and it's, it's so important that believers know the scriptures, that we be prepared for these things. And so I was telling my wife in the last month, we've come across several people that have all encountered the Church of Christ cult. There's a Church of Christ denomination where they don't let you use string instruments. They're just a little bit legalistic. Not them. There is a Church of Christ cult where they go after primarily college kids, but they also go after adults. They got their little app that they use to teach people. Uh, they usually don't have a church building. They may rent a place, but they, they usually you know, have some space. They meet in little groups. It's almost like a pyramid scheme for the church. And you get a discipler and they become like the Lord of your life, telling you what to do, who to date, where to go, blah, blah, blah. And they become very intricately involved in your life, way more than God ever intended. And what I keep finding as we're going about is we're finding people that were looking for God. And somehow they got wrapped up with these guys. We're going to have something put together to deal with that in particular. I don't want any people from this church to get wrapped up because it's a cult group. One of the ways you can identify a cult group is this. They believe that they're it. We understand here that we're part of the larger church of Jesus Christ. Amen. Some of you guys are here with us right now. You may have previously been at another church. You may leave here one day and show up at another church and we're all part of the same church. Um, if you show up here and you say, oh, I used to go to this church and I got baptized. We don't say, well, you got to get baptized with us. If you were born again and baptized somewhere else, we're going to high five you, praise God and keep it moving. Amen. They'll tell you if you didn't get baptized with them, by them, mm, you got to do it with us. You can't do it right away either. You got to go through our teaching first. After we finish teaching you all the stuff, y'all know when y'all read your Bible, there are people that got baptized the moment they got saved. I got saved today, got baptized today. How are you going to make me read and go over discipleship with you? Anyway, I digress. But it, it's not a new thing for there to be fakes. Satan is, uh, the Bible says he's a master counterfeiter. It says Satan himself, he's able to transform himself even into an angel of light and deceive even the elect. And so that's what he does. And so as we look at it here, this, this white horse where we might think, oh, this is the, the Lord, but it's not the Lord. It's the Antichrist, the false world leader. So he has a bow. 
But again, there's no arrow in the bow. Some people have mistakenly thought that this bow was symbolic of the, the rainbow, but it's not. The word rainbow, the way it's used in all the New Testament, the Greek that's used there is not the word used here. This is a bow and arrow with no bow. He got an instrument for battle with nothing to shoot. That's what he's got. He has a crown, not like the crown that we see on Jesus. In Revelation 19, Jesus has many crowns, and the crowns that he has are permanent crowns, not just victory, they're permanent crowns. This crown here is like the reef, the victor's crown, something that'll, that'll wane away. And it says he went out conquering and to conquer. And as you look up those words, it it literally means he's who is he conquering? What is he conquering? He's conquering the people. He's conquering God's people. Jesus comes to save. This guy is coming to conquer the people of God. This is similar to what we see in the Old Testament of Nimrod going after the people of God. And so if I can reel it back for you real quick, the Antichrist, why does this person exist? What are they going to do? What does it mean? There'll be a world leader that shows up after the rapture of the church. He'll be revealed. And He's going to be able to do what has never been done before. You're going to have a world leader that's going to bring about for a period what appears to be absolute peace. Y'all understand how divided we are right now politically, right? I don't want to stir none of y'all. I know some of y'all way into that, but it's a pretty sharp divide. Imagine that a guy shows up and he has a plan that everybody says we all like him. The world is like, this is our guy. He's figuring out a plan for world peace. He's working out the stuff in other parts of the continent and country, the the Middle East and everything else. He's going to bring about temporary false peace and the world is going to love him for a period of time. But then at the three and a half year point, we learn from Daniel at the abomination of desolation. This man is going to after he let the Jews rebuild their temple and begin to worship again, he's going to step into the temple. And what's he going to do? He's going to demand that they worship him. And at that point, the Jews are going to know, man, we've been had. He'll be exposed. And then all hell will break loose literally from that point on. What people thought they had in terms of peace will be gone. So here's the point. Why is there an Antichrist? Why is Satan concerned with that sort of thing, with, with stepping into that kind of place? I believe everywhere we see Satan show up, he wants what belongs to the Lord. Wants honor, wants worship, wants glory, wants he wants what belongs to God. And so we got to be so careful to know who the Lord is, that we worship the Lord according to what his word says, and that we be mindful that there's a lot of fakes out there. There's a lot of things that are they look like the same, but they're not. And we're living in an age where believers need to be more accountable to know the word for themselves. There's so many false religions. There's even within Christendom, there's so much false stuff. We're part to blame, right? The church just not knowing our book, not knowing the word of God, not knowing why we believe what we believe, that we become victim. And so that's just been my heart. Why do we read through the Bible every year with you guys? I want y'all to know the book. I want you to read it until you know it and know it until you read it. And to where you hear something weird and you're like, that's not what that means. How do you know? Because I read the whole book, son, off my porch with that garbage. You know, I want you to know, like, I want you to know, no. And so because what it does, it empowers you. To where now I'm not a victim of deception. And this is what I find with all the cults. They don't want to talk to somebody that know. Their favorite target is people that believe and don't know. They're like, oh, you're like candy to them. You believe in God. You actually have a Bible in your house, but you don't know it. Bring it out here. Let me tell you what it means. And they'll fix it up for you real bad. So I want y'all to know the book so we'd be free of that. So here this first seal is removed. The white horse comes out. The Antichrist is coming and he's coming. He went out conquering and to conquer. Number two, the, the second seal is opened up in verse three. It says, when he opened the second seal, I heard the second living creature saying, come and see. 
These living creatures that we learn in chapters four and five are angels that are in, in the heavenly realm. And the angel tells John to come and see. And verse four says another horse, fiery red, went out and it was granted to the one who sat on it to take peace from the earth and that people should kill one another. And there was given to him a great sword. So the second seal is open. The second horse is a fiery red horse. And this horse was given the ability or granted permission to take peace from the earth so that people will start killing one another. Now, I read that and I thought they already killing one another, you know. So imagine right now we already know in different parts of the world, people already killing each other. Some places worse than others, but that's already happening. But it's not happening like it's going to be happening when the church is removed. The church is a preserving influence in the world. Imagine this, right? Think of the world in which we live and all the believers everywhere and how we influence culture right now. Even though we feel like there's not that many of us, we're weak in number. We still are having a preserving influence. Imagine when everyone that believes what we believe is gone, all gone. And then God says, look, I've allowed this horse, this part of my judgment. This one is going to come and just remove peace. And as peace is removed, people are going to just start killing one another. It'll be widespread. The neighbor that hates the other neighbor silently today is going to be like, oh, you know, I can't stand their, their loud music. I'm going to kill them. You know, there's going to be rampant killing going on as God just removes his peace. The preserving influence of the church. The Think about this. The church is representative of people that believe in Jesus. Every believer is, has in, is indwelled by who? So everywhere we are, God is. When we're all gone, right? We're all gone. We're, the, the person to say, don't do that, bro. Hey, stop that. The person to bring peace, the person that, you know, say the right thing, all gone. And God says, man, hell is going to break loose. And this is part of the judgment of God. I'm, I'm going to re remove peace. I'm going to remove it from the earth. And so people are going to be killing one another. Some might say, well, why would God do that? You may read this and say, why would God, why would God remove peace? This is, remember, this is God's punishment to those that said, we don't want you. Those that wanted God, where are we at? We are at peace. We are with him. The Bible says for us, in his presence is fullness of joy. At his right hand are pleasures forevermore. We are at peace like we have never been at peace before. Those that want him can have him. Same is true today. But those that say, I don't want you. God's going to grant them that. OK. And there's going to be in this seven year period, the earth is going to feel the wrath of God. Now, I need to say this. Many people are very comfortable with the side of the coin of God that talks about God's goodness. Right. We all know that God is love and he's gracious and he's merciful, and he's compassionate, and he's good. And we love that. And that's fun to preach. I would love to come and say, guess God, God loves you. He's merciful. He's gracious. You mess up. He'll forgive you. You skin your knee. He'll clean it up. You know, I would love to just give you all that. But that's not fair if we end there because there's more to it than that, right? Because you might hear all that and say, that's cool. But I'm not moved to change anything or to do anything different. But I got to flip the coin over and say, but he's also just. As much as the love of God, God and God's love is hard. God says, I love you so hard that I'll get on a cross, pay the penalty for what you did and die a whole death in your place. Raise up from the grave, come back to life again and invite you to know me. That's how much I love you. But if you reject that, God says, look, my, my wrath is no joke either. My wrath is severe. My love is strong and my wrath is severe. You know, for those that are loved by God and belong to the Lord, for us to die, to be absent from the body is to be what? Present with the Lord. It's amazing, right? But you die without Christ, and the Bible says you'll forever be without Christ in a place the Bible calls hell. 
that's created to destroy Satan and the angels that fell with him. It's a place of torment forever and ever and ever. There are people that don't they have a problem with that concept, but that's what it says. And that's why God is reaching out to save people. But both things about God are true. At the same time that these people are experiencing a little bit of hell on earth, there's a group that just got caught up to be with the Lord that are there in glory on their faces, giving worship and praise in the purest sense ever. At the same time, these two things are happening and it's all based on what you chose to do, what you decided to do with Jesus. Rather, you decided to let him be Lord. Rather, you decided, I don't want this. There are people that have been in churches, heard the gospel, understood it. Eyes were opened and they said, I don't want that right now. I want to do me. I want to do my thing and God will let you do that. But it comes at a cost. It comes with a price tag. And so people should be aware that both things are true, right? It's unfair to only preach the goodness of God. It also is unfair to just preach the justice and the wrath. I got to let you know that both things are true. And we get to decide which one of those we're dealing with. And so here, if God says, look, I'm, this is part of my punishment on the earth. I'm just going to remove peace. You want chaos? I'm going to let you live in chaos. I'm going to just remove peace. And so moving on now, look at the next thing in verse five. It says that when he opened the third seal, I heard the third living creature say, come and see. I looked and behold, a black horse and he who sat on it had a pair of scales in his hand. I heard a voice in the midst of the four living creatures saying a quart of wheat for denarius and three quarts of barley for denarius and do not harm the oil and the wine. So this third seal is open. The third horse is a black horse. Sad because I always like how black horses look. I think they look cool, but not this black horse right here. So the black horse comes and the rider has these scales in his hands. And as you look at the scales in the hands of the black horse, they're measuring out. And it says a measure of a quart of barley for a denarius, a wheat for a denarius and a quart of barley. And so these are the ingredients to make a loaf of bread. A denarius would be equivalent to them to a day's wage. So I want you to understand it's speaking of a time of, of, of scarcity, a time where there's just not a lot of things. There's not a lot of food to go around. I want you to imagine whatever you make for a day's wage. Everybody here that works a full day's work. Imagine working all day. Maybe you work an eight hour job or whatever. And at the end of that day, you had enough money to buy a loaf of Wonder Bread. Y'all will quit tomorrow. Y'all, I'm not getting up for that. I'll starve, you know, but that's essentially this time of scarcity, this is part of the judgment of God. God has said, look, I'm going to cause things to be so scarce that the price is going to be so high that after working a whole day, you got enough to buy a little bit of bread. You got to buy the ingredients. You got to go home and make it yourself. So that's what it's going to be like. What is God doing through this? Well, something that the enemy is going to do through this is there will be scarcity and it'll be hard to get. And something we know that will come up later in Revelation during the tribulation period is Satan is going to create a system. He's going to be running things at this time. And there's going to be a system in place where in order to buy or sell, you got to do what? You got to take a mark. Now, if you take that mark, can you go to heaven? No. If you take the mark of the beast, it's a wrap. You're for certain going to hell. So I want you to consider this for those. I, I've heard people say stupid things like this. You know, if all this is true, when the church is raptured, then I'm going to get saved. I'll get saved during the tribulation period. That's dumb. Dumb, by If you can't live for God right now where there's grace and mercy, what makes you think that when it could cost you your life, when if you have kids at home that are hungry and you don't take a mark that'll damn you to hell, you can't buy food, you can't sell, you can't make money, and you can't spend money, 
You just are stuck in that society where you're not supported. The government's against you. The whole system is against you. If you get caught being a Christian, we'll kill you because people are going to die for their faith during this time. What would make you think you're going to be strong enough to do that when you can't live for God right now when God's all merciful and gracious? That's not even a reasonable thought. That's all we have time for today on A Transforming Word. Pastor Bill has been teaching through the book of Revelation. This book touches on the people and the world being judged during the tribulation. Some may feel that with all that's happening in the world right now, that we're already there. However, there's more to come and that's why it's so important to know where you stand with God now. Don't delay a decision that you think you can put off because you have lots of time. The time is now. If you're not sure where to go or what to do and the things you're hearing from Revelation are causing you to be fearful, please let us know by giving us a call. We're here to give a listening ear and to answer any questions you might have about this teaching or about salvation. Call or send a text to 310-245-4811. That's 310-245-4811. If you prefer reaching us online, you can fill out the contact form on our website at Cal calvaryinglewood.org. If you're not already connected with a local church family, we'd like to invite you to join us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Inglewood. You can find all the information you need at our website, including service times, directions, and information about the church. You can even find links to stream our services or watch previous messages online. That website again is calvaryinglewood.org. Thanks for spending time with us today in the Word. Pastor Bill will share more about what God revealed to John in the book of Revelation next time on A Transforming Word.